back to the one two Kentucky Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today on the podcast, I have Steven Strobus, Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach here at UK. And Strobus works with our men's and women's tennis programs. And that's what we're talking about today, what those groups are doing in the weight room with their fitness, on the track, and everything in between during this early off-season period. Like always, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Awesome. Let's hop right into this, Strobus. So wanted to have you on because today is September 6th. So we started school, started our training with our fall teams about two and a half weeks ago. Wanted to sit down with you because I think you're in a cool spot with uh, the tennis programs where you have our men's tennis program that you've worked with for several years. Um, the sport coaches have been consistent since you've been at Kentucky, but then on the flip side, women's tennis, um, has been a team that you've worked with on and off for the past few years, but they have a brand new head coach. So I wanted to talk through some of the logistical things that you've had to work through with that group. And then obviously, you know, what you already have established for our men's tennis program. So let's start there. So men's tennis group that you've worked with. What does their early season, off season, early off season training program look like? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, and I think I kind of do this with all my teams, is I, I program like an onion. And so what I mean by that is um, things that we layer on top of each other are usually the same thing. It's just how they're being emphasized. And so for the men's tennis team, the biggest thing is fitness. Now that that's track fitness, if that's conditioning, if that's on-court fitness, if that's even in the weight room a little bit. The biggest thing that we're emphasizing with them is that we have a team that is full of a lot of newcomers, especially young players. And the biggest thing for any young player when they come into college tennis is they've been really, really good. They may have some experience training, but they haven't trained at like the collegiate level yet. They haven't put weight on their back. They haven't run real, real, real hard. Um, so it's kind of just leveling them into that. So not only are you acclimating them, like you would acclimate a normal college athlete, but you're getting that kind of feel for them to understand like, Hey, this is college tennis. This is the sec. Like we're going to have to train hard. So it's big, big, big on the fitness kind of for the entire year. Well, how many, uh, newcomers do you have with that team? So we have, uh, three freshmen, uh, coming in. We actually were under, we're under loaded right now so we only have 10 people on the team usually we have about 12. Uh um we lost six people last year we brought in three each of them are freshmen very good freshmen they're very talented in tennis um but like i said the training background is is very different so and the people that we lost are i mean with men's tennis the success they've had recently the character that's in that program uh those are the seniors that graduated so it's kind of in this you know tipping point for the team about keeping that character going keeping that kind of culture in the team very important for them yeah let me ask you this um so acclimating a team back like tennis where you have um some newcomers on the squad i always find it's easier for me specifically with volleyball when we're upperclassmen loaded it's easier for me to acclimate them back because i know what a johnny teeler's capacity is i know what raya walker's capacity is um 
and it, you know, volleyball and tennis are similar in roster size. Volleyball is a little bit, um, has a few more players in tennis, but it's, it's not so big that I can't individualize, you know, uh, goal times on a, on a fitness run for them. So how does, how did the acclimation period look? What did that look like for our men's tennis team? Well, I think, you know, with tennis, they're never really off except maybe like the winter. And yeah. so even our newcomers, our freshmen have been playing tournaments. They've been playing, you know, travel tennis or, or anything like that. Same with our returners. And so what's good is that at least from a readiness or kind of a fitness standpoint, it's very easy to just kind of have them all be at the same level in terms of individualization. So our first week or when we're bringing in, everybody's just kind of doing the same run. And then as we start to gather who's in a little bit more shape, who needs a little bit more work, that's when we can start to individualize it. So I take it as that they're all coming in in the same capacity and kind of make it, I guess, maybe very, very easy. And then we scale that to where they're at as they go through the runs progressing throughout the year. Mostly the off season, we do our longer distance runs in the off season. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of assuming that they're all coming in, coming out of tournament shape, because in tennis, we like to say that there's match shape and then there's off season shape. Those are very different things. You would think mm -hmm. that match shape would be better, but off season shape is what you start and it's what you get into so that you're ready for your matches in the spring. So really, really building into that fitness. You need to be way more fit than you are at the end of, I guess, the end of the season than you are at the beginning of the season. Yep. So you talked a lot about fitness, but let's talk about the weight room because that's what oh, we yeah. love. What are some of the big rocks that you have for our men's tennis team in the weight room? Like what are some of the the uh, movements? You don't have to get into specific sets and reps, but, you know, are they back squatting? Are they pulling from the ground? You know, heavy cleans? Like what do you got them doing in the weight room? I think uh, taking just the – I mean, I don't have a ton of time with tennis. We get two, maybe three lifts a week, about 40 minutes, 45 minutes and getting a lot of those things in we combo a lot of the things on the day but for tennis um considering it's a lower body sport change of direction is a huge aspect the ankles the knees the hips are something we're really really focused in on so um i've taken this approach this year is we're actually going to just single leg squatting for our squat our main squat movement for the entire program um we're going with the split squat really just getting that single leg work in it's really helping their hips to stay healthy with all the turning and change of direction that they do and then we pair that up with like dumbbell bench for upper body bench. And then um, we hex bar deadlift as well for like our big main strength movement. Um, tennis is not necessarily a absolute strength sport. It's more so that you have the power and the ability to move your body consistently on top of your fitness, obviously, but that you can continue to play and push hard for three sets if you need to. So really just working on the single leg for the injury prevention standpoint. And then the, uh, the hex bar, obviously in the, in the bench for just very important strength parts for our, our, our tennis players. They need to be strong period. So. Yep. Good, good, good. Let's move on to, um, their coaches. So Cedric has been here forever. So when I had the men's tennis program years ago, when I was a GA, Cedric was the assistant. Now he's the head coach. Uh, Matt, who's the associate head, has been here for a while now as well. Um, what does your communication look like with them as you start the offseason, you get deeper and deeper into the offseason? Because I know they will go play some tournaments that might be team-based or more individual-based, but what does it look like from a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month uh, -month communication standpoint with those coaches? Yeah, I think organization is the is the kind of the, the very big cornerstone of that. Um, 
our players, whether we have really, really good players, you know, the last couple of years we've had like a Liam Draxel or a Gap Diallo who in the fall will go and play professional tournaments and they might be gone for the entire fall. So communicating with them has been huge on just giving me, you know, what's the ballpark schedule look like for the fall for this athlete or that athlete. And then having that in the back of my head as I'm starting to write their program out. Um, communication with them is obviously we, we meet and talk at the beginning of the year. But then as we go week to week, you know, day to day, I'm constantly and I just go over to the tennis courts and I, and I chat with them, you know, and sometimes it's an official meeting or it's more formal or sometimes we just talk when they're finishing a practice or something like that. Um, I think there's like a level of trust now that I've been with them for so many years. They understand kind of how I work. I know how they work. And so it's been very collaborative as opposed to when the athletes are with me, they're with me. And when they're with you guys, they're with you guys. We're all on the same page. And it's very much as if, you know, and this is how I think it should be, is that even though I am the strength conditioning coach, I'm part of our department here over at Nutter, I'm still on their staff as one of their coaches. I just do the fitness and the weights, and obviously that's an important part, so. Awesome. Finishing up on the men's tennis side, you know, looking towards the end of the semester as things start wrapping up, what are some of the performance tests that you're going to have this team go through or KPIs that you're looking for? So we're going to go through our, our normal battery of, you know, we do our, our broad jump, our vertical jump, just getting a good kind of power output measure. Um, we've dabbled in the USTA's med ball throws or rotational based tests on where they can throw from their backhand or forehand side. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dabble with that. There's not a lot of standard data to kind of prove like above this or below that, but I think it's worth to see, let's say at the beginning of the season where they're at, like, you know, when they're strong and they've trained a ton at the end of the year and then where they're at at the end of the season. Um, where they're at to see the not necessarily the strength deficit because it's probably going to be a little bit lower but seeing how much that has paid off when they're playing and they're practicing so much more so we're going to hit that and then we have our fitness test that you know I love our cross court shuttles test that we have um, from the fitness aspect that's really just to kind of check the box make sure that they are good at changing direction they can recover quickly they can move on the court well and and the coaches can see that they're they're here to push you know and so we have a goal time that's set for that but in recent years, that, that goal time has never really been a problem. It's been more of an effort and intensity standpoint that the coaches really want to see out of that cross-court shuttles test too. So we kind of hit the all aspects. It's nothing too, too crazy, but they have a lot of fun with the vertical jump stuff just because tennis isn't a vertical jump sport, but they like to see kind of who's the strongest, who's more powerful, and it's usually a fun day. Awesome. Moving on to women's tennis. Like I said, they just got a brand-new head coach. Um kind of talk through what the conversations have looked like between you and her um, and what questions have you asked so that you can, you know, train the team the way that she wants them to play. Um, what have that, what have those conversations looked like? I think talking with uh, Shelly and she's been awesome when she came in, she was very open to just, you know, getting on a good page of, you know, what have I done with the team before? What have they done? Um, and what is their kind of experience with the weight room? Because, on the women's tennis side of things, there's a wide variety of what you see from a training perspective, both pro level or youth level, or even in college, what they do. Um, so with her, it was very much just coming in, you know, I just straight asked her in one of our first meetings, like, what does a, a physically dominant tennis player look like for you? Is it fitness? Is it strength-based? Is it someone who is aggressive and can serve 130? Or is it something where they can grind out points left to right, you know, and win matches like that? So we just kind of talked about for her, the style of tennis that she likes, because the differences in tennis players, whether they're a baseline grinder or if there's somebody that plays a little bit more aggressive up at the net, 
those things matter in terms of your training or how you're kind of approaching working with a tennis athlete. So with her just getting on a good pace of what, what does a good tennis player look like? What does a Kentucky tennis player look like in your mind from a physical aspect, from the weight room? And she was very bought in from the start about getting the, the weight room, the training, the conditioning, all of that being a cornerstone of, of building this new program because she wants the girls to be phys- physically dominant as they go into SEC play or even non-conference. She wants us to dominate, and she knows the weight room is the way to kind of get through that. In regards to what you're having the women's team do in the weight room, is it similar to the men, meaning that you're doing the split squats, dumbbell binge, you know, hex bar deadlift, or is it different, completely different? What does it look like between the two teams? Uh, I think it's it's actually pretty pretty much the same. It's pretty common injuries, at least for what we've seen here at Kentucky, with just the overuse, um, the hips, the knees, things like that from the change direction aspect. The shoulder is obviously a huge thing in tennis, um, especially on the women's side that we see sometimes. So we take that into account. I would say the biggest thing is that on the women's side, just from a past experience in the weight room, just an inconsistency basis, there's a lot of weakness that we're working on. We're working on just getting the team in a much stronger state of mind, being you know, able to deadlift, I don't even know, 175 or do split squats with 45 pounds or something like that. Just be in a position where they can really, really push some weight, not maximal strength, but have that sort of mindset of like, I am strong, I am stable, I am solid and kind of getting to that. So, I mean, if I would say the men's side of things, they put about 60% of their eggs into like the fitness basket, while the women are probably putting about 60 to 70% of their eggs into the strength basket. So the weight room is something we're really emphasizing while with the men, we're really emphasizing the track um, or the conditioning or whatever it is. And I mentioned track just because we're doing a lot of track runs this year with our conditioning to get them really going on the aerobic side. So what does the women's weight room schedule look like? So you said the men are in there about two to three times a week, 40, 45 minutes. Are the women in there more than the men? The women are in uh, twice a week for an hour. So, I mean, time-wise and cumulative, it's I think it's about the same, if not a little bit less. Um, but we get all the same stuff in. We get the upper body work in. Lower body is a huge thing for them. Um, just getting them to a standpoint where they can move. So the single leg squat, you know, we progress from – body weight to we're using dumbbells we're going to move on to safety bar actually next week and then just continue to load that because that strength is a huge component of just staying healthy um, as they go throughout the year and change directions left and right i think the women's team they are getting very bought in they're enjoying lifts which is an awesome thing to see the coaches are showing up to lifts and they're just being part of the energy and the environment so it's been a really, really good experience of, of getting them in the weight room, getting them comfortable in Shively weight room is where they're lifting with me and just having them feel like that's their space. This isn't some foreign spot where they're uncomfortable. It's getting comfortable and, and really, you know, hitting it hard. I think has been a good part of what the women have done in their, their two hours they have with me every week. With a new head coach coming in, a lot of the times they're bringing their own thoughts, what they've done with previous programs, but from a performance testing standpoint, have you two decided on the test KPIs that you want to hang your hat on for years to come? Yeah, we have. Um, I kind of talked her through what we've done in the past, and she actually was very on board with that. The one that she did kind of bring that she had one of our assistant coaches that she hired from a different school uh, along was a it's basically a change direction test. It's a seven second test where they run from the doubles line to this the center service line run back to the doubles line, run to the opposite doubles line, and then try and cover as much distance as they can. So it's a little bit more of a test of not fitness related, but just how efficient are they at 
changing direction, getting back, getting out, and then getting back again. So you can really see. So it's seven seconds, three, two, one, go. When the seven seconds hits, they stop. And then you can measure how far they got on that second trip back. There's not a lot of times where they can make it all the way across back unless they have, you know, they're six, seven, and they have the longest legs ever. But it's it's a measurable test of seeing, you know, over 10 reps, where are they at? What's their average? And then when you go down the line or you go at the end of the semester, you test it again and see if you had a little bit more efficient change of direction. So that's been a huge one. I think both the men and the women are going to benefit from. Awesome. Last question I had for, for you, it's fill in the blank and you can start with either the men or women's tennis team. But at the end of this off season, you hope that this tennis team can do what? Fill in the blank. I think obviously pass their conditioning test. That's a huge thing for me. Now, the tennis players are very fit baseline no matter what. And so passing the conditioning test isn't a, a, you know an end all be all. But I think that's a starting point for them more so than it is like the, the end point. So with that, pass their conditioning tests. I want them to feel comfortable in a third set because of their fitness. You know, I spoke to one of our volunteers a couple of years back and I said, you know, what's the hardest thing to train for in tennis? And he said, big moments in the third set, because if you haven't worked your butt off with your training, with your fitness, with the mental piece, all of those things are in the way. And if you have all of those things set and you can trust that you've done that, all that, all that needs to happen is, is you're really just there to play. So the fitness aspect, I think, is huge. And for them to lean on that and say, no, like I worked hard for this, I think is big. And really just kind of on an individual standpoint, I guess be free or at least kind of close to freeze as much as we can get of, of pain from nagging stuff. Mm. Obviously tennis is an overused sport. It's those things are going to come up, especially as much as they're, they're playing, but we're really trying to push the envelope of if you're going to be playing as consistently, if you're putting this much of an emphasis on going and hitting, working on your serves, doing that, you should put just as much of an emphasis on getting your ice bath or recovering or foam rolling or coming to see me for stretches or something like that on the same exact consistent basis so that we can get to the end of the season and we're in a good spot and really more than anything for most of our athletes who want to go and play pro they, they know those things as they go off and they don't have me they don't have Langston or Emily as their athletic trainers kind of with them all the time so we I at least for me I take a very much a teaching approach and I want them to know the things that they need to do in order to, to be in a good position to, to succeed so I hope by the end of the off season we get those I guess three things done pass conditioning test feel comfortable in the third set and, and really kind of know that they're, they have the tools to recover and to be ready to perform. Awesome. I lied. I got another question for you. And I'm going to take a yeah. step back, going back to our men's tennis team. You said you're doing a lot of obviously fitness with them. That's been a word that we've thrown around, but you know, workouts on the track up until now, what has been the progression for those, those track workouts and where do you see uh, and you don't have to get specific with the the volume or the pace that they're running at, but how are you, how have you progressed those runs and how will those pro runs progress in the future? Yeah, I think obviously, you know, using a track makes it very easy because, you know, 400 meters or 200, it, it makes it very, very easy to just keep track of the progression. Yep. Um, we started the year really just running like long and, and by long, I mean, long intervals. Uh, repeat for and they would run a lap and then they would have depending on how fast they run it they would have a certain time to rest so it was on a repeating like let's say three and a half minute timer and then from that we shortened that down so we shortened the rest down and then as we got into a spot where they were all getting pretty consistent we then doubled the distance and then we were actually running 800s and we just doubled that rest so it's doubling the distance doubling the rest and 
getting the volume, obviously, a lot more on them, but they're getting longer pace runs, more into the aerobic kind of environment. And then, you know, maybe once or twice the coaches have, have talked about it, like doing a mile, you know, doing four laps instead of two laps or one. I think, you know, working with track and field, I've, I've talked with, with Coach Green about workouts that they just do at the start of the year, and it's the same thing, you know, repeat 400s, uh, 200s, or just, you know, paced 100s or things like that, where they run the two and then they walk a lap and then they run another two or things like that. So it's just been very simple, you know, one lap at a certain time, two laps in a certain time, shorten the time, just really, really keep it straightforward and simple. And it's the mental piece that they're really gaining a lot of, because it's just the same thing running in a circle. Yeah. Definitely. The mental piece on the track is oh, yeah. um, something that you develop throughout the off season. Well, that's yeah. great. Shrobis. I appreciate you coming on today. Everybody that's out there, like always, if you got any questions or comments for us, don't hesitate to email us at ukstrength at uky.edu. Thanks and go cats.